Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. So um, we, we have uh, a guest speaker today, and uh, this person I'm super pumped about. Um, this person, uh, basically, uh, I'm going to take a, a little bit of time to talk about this because I, I love it. Um, in, I think, January, the beginning of the year, um, we had um, our normal drummer, Adam uh, Moody, uh, he had, um, he had uh, some surgery he was recovering from, and, and all of a sudden, we needed a drummer on a Sunday morning last minute. It was kind of a, it was a not playing surgery thing, so um, we, had to, we had to find someone really quick, and um, the week before, I had met this guy, and you know when sometimes you get like some feelings when you meet people? Does anyone ever, like, like you meet someone and you're like, hmm. <laughs> Not that one, no. You ever get like, you, I don't know, like for me, like sometimes when I meet people, I'm like, oh, interesting person. Uh, and, then, and, then, <laughs> and then you meet someone else and you're like, hmm, they are awesome. I want to be friends with that person. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And uh, Kevin was one of those people, the, the second one, the second one. <laughs> Kevin was the second one. He was one of those people that I'm just like, ah, this guy is solid, and I want to be his friend. Um, and so I met him the week before, and I was like, hey, this isn't actually our normal process. We have a whole audition process to be on the worship team, blah, 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 but I need a drummer. You said you played drums at, at churches. What do you think? And he, he came, and he came prepared, and he killed it that Sunday. Um, and so that's how Kevin and I have met, and... Uh, He's, he's, I won't steal all of his thunder, but he's, he's an awesome gifted speaker, uh, st- just a pastor's heart. Um, I just, every time I talk to him, I'm just like, oh man, I like want you to teach a class? Is that weird? Like, <laughs> he's just, he has so much wisdom and uh, I love this guy dearly. So let's give it up for Pastor Kevin Heichel today. Come on. All right. Good morning, church. I got some expectations to live up to, apparently. Oh, wow. Well, first of all, I just w- I want to say thank you, um, Adventure Church. Um, we've been coming, Kasia and I and our family have been coming since the beginning of this year, back in January. And just as soon as we came, we just immediately just felt connected here, um, you know, met Pastor Andrew, and it was back, the platform was just not up here. It was, wasn't a platform. It was a floor. And I was looking at the drum set, you know, being nosy and stuff. And, and we got to talking and yeah, so the rest is history, but he took a risk on me. And then now pastor CJ, thank you as well. He's taking a risk on me as well. Not ever having heard me preach or anything before. So I could have bombed it on the drums and I could bomb it up here. You just don't know what you're in for. But we are, we are just so blessed to be a part of this congregation and just have felt welcome right from the beginning. So, so I just want to thank you, Adventure Church, for that. I'm going to start here. I'm going to tell you a little story, tell you a story about my friend Oscar. So some years ago, which I was thinking about it, it was 15 years ago, which, man, that feels like a long time ago, and it was. But uh, I was serving at a church in North Carolina out in the Outer Banks, uh, right on the beach, it was, it was a great place to live during the summer. But I was serving in, in the youth and children's ministry at this small church, and 
And there was this older fella, Oscar. He was sat kind of right down in the front, and, and I, I loved Oscar. He was this short, but just so scrappy guy. He had this, you know, incredible testimony of, you know, military guy used to get in bar fights and just he'd clear the place and be the last one standing. But, you know, God just got a hold of him, and there he was every Sunday in church. And he was a very vocal person. He was the one that was always talking during service. And, and, and in one of those good ways, you know, he was the amen, yes, Lord. And his, his favorite phrase that he would use while someone was preaching was, do it again, Lord, do it again, Lord. And, and one time the story was told to me that the pastor was speaking about Abraham and Sarah. You know, Abraham is 100 years old and he's going to have a child. Sarah's 90 and, and just, whew, no thank you, right? <laughs> we're, we're done having kids. We're excited that we get to kick them out when we're still relatively young and but Abraham was going to have a child. And the pastor, in the midst of his sermon, made a comment about how God made Sarah young and beautiful again. And Oscar looked at his wife and he said, do it again, Lord. (laughs) And I say all that to say is that if you talk during the sermon, if you talk and give me some amens and stuff, I won't be distracted. I'm good at ignoring Uh, background noise. Again, with the kids, I can just tune them out for hours at a time, even when they're yelling at me. Just as long as I don't tune out my wife, right, baby? All right, but we're going to get into it here this morning. Again, uh, Kasia and I, we met at Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas in 2005. We married in 2007. We've been married for 14 years and happily and we are just happy to be here. We have seven kids. I am originally from Canada, if that's okay with you. I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, you can forgive me, eh? All right. Well, we're going to get into the message here this morning. We're going to start by checking out this video.
know, when uh, Pastor CJ had asked me <clears throat> a while ago to, to share and, and to preach, I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd be honored to do that. And, and immediately my mind started going, okay, well, what am I going to preach about? And started thinking about some different things. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I, I, think I got the message that, that I'm going to preach and, you know, and, and go for it. And, you know, just the way God works, he often changes our direction sometime. And, and honestly, I was, I was scrolling through Facebook and this video came up. And I just was really, in that moment, just kind of impacted by it. I'm like, wow, this is, this is good, you know. And, and in that moment, I just felt like the Lord said to me, tell them your story. And I was like, okay, okay, so we're going to change this up here. So what I want to share this morning is about failing, but then getting back up again. So as I mentioned, Kasia and I, we had met at Christ for the Nations. Um, after we got married down in Texas, we moved up here to this area. We got plugged into a church. We were just trying to be faithful and obedient. We just believed that, you know, God's going to use us greatly. And, and I mean, he did use us in many, in many ways. And, you know, just, man, I'm going to get in. I'm going to somehow, God's going to put us into full-time ministry. I'm going to pastor. I'm just going to preach and get to do all these great things for the Lord. And, you know, life happens. We started having children and, and, you know, we were still just believing, okay, God's got something for us, you know, that, which again, I, I love Pastor Carolyn shared this morning already and about that we're all called and, you know, we were doing our best in, in the situations that we were in, but we felt like there's something more. So we went back to Texas. We went back to Christ for the Nations and I did some more schooling down there and we just, we just got filled up with all that we could and we had this opportunity to come back to this area to take over a church. Say take over a church. I feel like a, a foreign nation coming in to take over a country. So not so much, you know, take over, but to come in and be the new pastors of this church. And we uh, got in here and, and, you know, I just, all my youthful enthusiasm is like, yeah, we're going to come in and it's going to blow up. Revival's going to break out. People are going to flock from all over to hear me preach. And it's just going to be incredible. The place is going to be filled. We're going to have to do multiple services and just, it's going to be amazing. Well, needless to say, that is not what happened. Um, you know, I, I've struggled throughout my life at times just with being like this person that like takes initiative and like kind of pushes the boundaries to get things done. And, you know, and in the midst of this as a pastor, I found myself constantly kind of in a sense, just falling short in that area. And, you know, as the new young guy, there were plenty of people who were ready to just step in and, and kind of and pick up where I was lacking, but not in a good way. And there were people that kind of began to just undermine what I was trying to do and kind of some of the vision that I had for the church. And, and things just were really discouraging. You know, nothing was really growing. Nothing was happening. And and it just kept progressing. I mean, we had some great moments. You know, I don't want to make it sound like it was just all bad. We had some great moments and God moved in, in people's lives. I truly believe while we were there. But we were, you know, in this building that was old and just kind of falling apart. We had things that weren't working. And, 
So we were able to at least get out of that building and, and try something different. We rented a place, but yet uh, there was still some people that just kept coming in and, and cutting underneath me. And, and like there were even things like people accusing someone in my family of doing something that was completely false and wrong. There was fake prophecies that we found out about later that were spoken. I mean, it was just, it was not a good situation. And looking at this whole thing objectively, it was, you know, after this point, there was some other trivial matters that people decided to leave over. And, and I just felt like, okay, this, we're trying to revive something that's dead here. And, and we just felt like, and I had talked to some pastors that I respected and just shared and just said, hey, look, I think, I think it's run its course. So we said, you know, we're just going to stop this. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to say all this to like, you know, this isn't Kevin's pity party. Oh, woe is me, you know, or, you know, I need everybody to give me a hug afterwards. Um, <laughs> but to look at the whole thing objectively, I mean, people say, well, you know, we're very encouraging towards me. Like, hey, this wasn't a failure. You didn't, you know, you, you hopefully learned through this. And absolutely, I did, you know. But again, when you look at what I expected to happen and what did happen, it, it failed. And, and again, I say that because I'm okay with that now. And the message this morning that I want to share and how I want to encourage everyone this morning is that after failure, we can get back up, amen? amen. That I'm standing up here Yes, because CJ asked me, Pastor CJ asked me, but I'm standing up here because I still believe in what God's called me to do. And my encouragement to you this morning is, is I want you to think, whether it is just, maybe you're new to salvation, maybe you're new to Christianity, but there's that sense of calling already on your life. Carolyn shared it so great this morning that when you're saved, when you become a Christian, you're called. And maybe some of you have set aside something that you believe God was calling you to and you just haven't even stepped out yet. Maybe you knew you were called, you started something, and it didn't work out the way you wanted it to. So you just kind of said, forget it. Wherever you're at this morning, my encouragement here is that we can rise after falling. Amen? And there's no better place to go than to Scripture. Right? Okay, just checking. We're a church, right? But I want to look specifically at the life of Peter. Now, how many just love Peter? I love Peter. We all love Peter because we can relate to Peter, right? This guy had a lot of ups and downs. And we're going to look at at a bunch of them here today. And we're just going to draw some stuff from Scripture about what it means to, to rise, to fall, but to get back up again. And first of all, let's just start with Peter and his calling. I love uh, the book of Luke goes into a little bit more detail about Peter's calling. Whereas the other gospels just kind of gloss over it, but just Jesus saw them fishing and said, come follow me. So they did, but the gospel of Luke goes into a bit more detail. And here, Peter is out fishing. He's a fisherman by trade. This is his job. They've been out all day along with James and John, the sons of thunder. They were also fishermen. They were out here fishing. And they're having no luck. Nothing's happening. And then Jesus walks into the situation. He's on shore and he yells out to them and calls them, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. What was that? (laughs) Jesus, we've been doing this all day. 
we're professional fishermen. I don't, we're not even sure who you are. We got this, right? I'm sure, I mean, that had to have been what was going through their minds. Um, I work at the hospital in St. Croix Falls. I'm a, a nurse's aide. And uh, every four hours, we have to go into the patients and we have to check their vitals. We have to check their blood pressure, different things like that. And we have these machines that do it all automatically because I'm not that smart. And uh, so we go in and I work nights, so I usually scare people, wake them up in the middle of the night, walk into a dark room. Most of those people don't have that same feeling about me that Andrew did. They're like, oh, there's that creepy guy coming in. But we try these, you know, we have to do their, their vitals. So wrap the, the cuff on their arm and try to get their blood pressure. And sometimes it just doesn't like to read their blood pressure or you get this really off reading that's like, I don't think that's right. So, you know, I go out and tell the nurse and they're like, well, did, did you try his other arm? I'm like, well, no, why would I do that? Like, but sure enough, I go in and check his other arm and the blood pressure is just fine. So I go out with my head, you know, down. Yes, you were right. But here, Jesus is telling you, just cast the nets on the other side of the boat. All right, we'll, we'll try it. And again, I don't know if they knew Jesus, if they had heard about him, or if there was just something in the authority of Jesus' voice that they decided to listen to this guy. And sure enough, they cast their nets on the other side of the boat, and they have this huge haul. All these fish, James and John, they got to bring their boat over. The, they all got to work together to get this catch. And here we see what happens with Peter. It says, when Simon Peter in Luke 5, 8, he saw this and he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. So there's this moment of calling for Peter. And there's something about God's call. It's when we recognize who he is, it means we also recognize who we are as sinful people, right? But Peter's called to no longer catch fish but he's going to go out and he's going to be the catcher of souls for, for God's kingdom. And he's called. And we've all, I think, if you're in this room, I trust that you've had that moment of recognizing who Jesus is. And for many of us, again, for me, I've felt a call from a young age towards ministry, towards this preaching. You know, it seemed like whenever a guest speaker came to a, my church as a kid, you know, they'd call me out and prophesy, God's got a plan for you, you know going to preach and, and do great things for the Lord. And, and there were people in our church that, oh yeah, that, that Kevin, he's going to be a preacher. I don't know how prophetic some of them were. I think it was just because I talked a lot as a kid. And they figured, boy, if he's going to talk that much, he might as well preach and do something for the Lord. So I've got to start speaking that over my own kids because they talk a lot. So hopefully we'll just see, they're going to be a preacher. So join me. If you see my kids, tell them tell them that. <laughs> but I've had this call and, and I think, and I believe that for many of you, or maybe there's, I don't know who this is for this morning, but you've heard that call on your life 
to follow Jesus, to do things for him. And again, it's not about standing up here and being in full-time ministry. It could be something simple. It could be something just where you work or again in your family. But we have this call of God on our lives and we need to recognize it and we need to follow it, amen? But who knows too that as with my story, as with these athletes, that sometimes you start towards something and you feel like you just get kicked in the face like that one guy did. Or you just miss it and you lose your grip and you land flat on your face. And that's what it felt like when the church, when we said, this isn't working. It just felt like this is it, you know? Why bother? And Peter went through a lot of these in his life as well. So we're going to look at a few of them, the rises and falls of Peter. The first one in Matthew 14, it's probably one of the most famous stories about Peter's life where he walks on water. And I tend to think that Peter gets a bad rap in this story, you know, because we, we tend to focus on the fact that he sunk. But I don't know about you, but there was 12 other guys in that, or 11 other guys in that boat And he was the only one that stepped out in faith. He was the only one that said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter stepped out, walked on water. He holds the Olympic world record for water walking. (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure he's the only one that did it. But we know that he got out on the waves and he's looking. And he's like, this is actually not right. This isn't normal. I shouldn't be doing this. And he starts looking at the waves. When he saw the wind, it says, he was afraid and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? Which again, I'm like, really, Jesus? Why are you going to be so negative? <laughs> like, dude walked on water. But again, you know, And I think we tend to think like, oh, well, if I was Peter and if Jesus was there, I would have just strutted the whole way out there, would have been dancing or something. But I think we all know in reality that we would have sunk ourselves. But knowing that Jesus, the son of God, is standing right before you and he's doing this and and he called you to do it, that it is, it's a lack of faith when we look at Jesus and then decide to look at other things and grow in fear. So Peter, this rise, he walks on water, but he falls, he sinks. The next one here, this next rise is is Jesus, or Peter declares who Jesus is. It's another great story here. Jesus is with his disciples, they're walking, and Jesus says, who do people say that I am? So the disciples start answering, well, people say that you're one of the prophets, that you're John the Baptist come back to life, that... You know, you're Elijah, you're all these different things. You know, teacher, whatever. And a lot of people today, this who Jesus is, they ask. But then he asked specifically, who do you say that I am? A question that we all have to answer. And Peter nails it on the head. Well, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God. And Jesus commends Peter, yes. Yes, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh in blood, but by my Father in heaven. Peter got it. And in that moment, he, I'm sure Peter just 
chest puffed out, head held high. Like, I get it. Jesus just patted me on the back and said, I did good, you know. And then a few verses later, here Jesus is now sharing with them, okay, this is actually what this means, that me is the Messiah, the Son of God. It actually means that we're going to go to Jerusalem. The leaders hate me, and they're actually going to turn me over and have me killed. And Peter's like, mm-mm, no, that's not happening. You know, you're the Messiah. You're supposed to be like the new king. You know, you're going to conquer and rule, and we're going to be your right-hand men and your generals, and we're just going to take over. But Jesus takes Peter aside. Well, and I love the way this is worded. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? Like, I mean, this is Jesus we're talking about. Like, (laughs) Jesus, I think you got it wrong. I think you got it wrong, Jesus. But when we really think about it, how many of us have actually done that? I know I have. What? You, you said you wanted me to do what? No, that's, that's not the Lord. No. You want, me to, you want me to lead a small group? No, that's not Jesus. That's, that's my flesh. It's, it's the devil. You know, you want me to go on a mission trip to where? No, no, that's not Jesus. He wouldn't send me there. No, not you. And we rebuke Jesus sometimes in our lives, don't we? And here, Jesus has some strong words for Peter. Jesus turned to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine? First, you're like, yeah, Simon, son of Jonah, you got this. Yeah, you're Satan now. (laughs) Rise and fall. But he goes on to say, You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And so often we get fixed on this life, on earthly things, that we we miss what God wants us to do. And we have these rises and falls. Another rise and fall here is, is the transfiguration and Again, Peter, he's invited. He's part of Jesus' inner circle along with James and John. And, and he actually gets invited to come with Jesus up to this mountain. Then all of a sudden, the heavens open, just bright lights. Jesus is transformed into this, into this divine figure that he truly is. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are there with him. The law and the prophets testifying to who Jesus is. That he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior, And it's just this incredible thing. I can't imagine what I would do or say in that moment. I love how um, Mark and the Gospel of Mark tells this story. Because all of a sudden, Peter, he can't keep his mouth shut. And he says to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then in parentheses, it says, he did not know what to say. He was so frightened. I feel like sometimes we get in these moments of kind of holy moments where there are these rises, but how often do we put our foot in our mouths about something? I know I've put my foot in my mouth. And sometimes we just need to learn to be silent, right? I was saying that uh, as much as my kids talk, that I'm pretty sure 90% of the issues and fightings in our house would probably end if they would just stop talking is probably the case for me as well. Kevin, just stop talking. You're talking too much. 
but we miss it. This made me think of two, Kasia and I have been watching The Office. I don't know if you're familiar with the show. It was a pretty popular one back a few years ago, but we tend to rewatch it fairly often because it's just so funny. And Michael Scott, the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin, is just kind of this bumbling fool, and he's always putting his foot in his mouth. And there's an episode where he's asked by his boss, you know, what, what's going on? Your branch has the best sales, you know. What's going on here? So Michael just starts saying, well, you know, I always say that sometimes and when, you know, and he just kind of goes on and doesn't really say anything. And then after the fact, because the show's filmed like a documentary, he confesses, he said, sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say. I just start talking and hope something comes out. And <laughs> I feel like that was kind of Peter in this situation. Like if I just start saying something, maybe something intelligible will come out. But sometimes we just need... Like Peter, we just need to keep our mouth shut. <laughs> amen? No, nobody wants to amen that one, huh? All right. Here's another one is that Peter also gets to accompany Jesus and Jesus' kind of hour of need especially. They've just had the, the last supper. Jesus has said, look, this is what's going to happen. And they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus, again, invites his inner circle, invites Peter, James, and John, come and pray with me. And Jesus goes on ahead. He's in great distress. You know, the, the word says that he uh, was sweating drops of blood in this moment. And he's wanting Peter and James and John to just join him and support him in prayer. But what happens? Jesus comes back, and there's Peter just sawing logs, praying, or not praying, sleeping. Again, he's, he's given this opportunity in, in this moment, but he just fails. He falls asleep. I know we tell our kids at night when they can't fall asleep, if they come into our room and they're like, I can't fall asleep. It's usually, one, did you take your melatonin? Because God bless melatonin. And two, have you prayed? Because we know sometimes that, you know, just praying can help us fall asleep. No, we always have the greatest intentions of praying and then we fall asleep. And that's what happened with Peter here. And, and Jesus comes back, sees him sleeping and says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for just one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we, we run into that all the time. We're just, we want to do the right thing but the flesh is weak. And then the final rise and fall here that I want to talk about, one that's well known as well with Peter, is when he denies Jesus. And I, I again, give Peter some credit here and consider this kind of a bit of a, a moment of, of Peter doing, doing a good thing is that Jesus had told them, you know, the, the shepherd's going to get struck and the flock's going to scatter. And Peter is like, no, I'll stick with you. And sure enough, Peter at least keeps a little bit of a distance, but he follows Jesus in this moment, in, in Jesus' hour of, of trial and this, of his time going before the, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, and, and Peter's at least trying to keep an eye and, and be nearby. And he starts to get asked, hey, aren't you, aren't you one of them that was with Jesus? No, no, I was not, that wasn't me. You know, he starts to get fearful. He feels, I'm sure, guilty by association. If they're doing that to Jesus, 
and they find out that I was with him, what are they going to do to me? And he denies that he knows Jesus. Surely you were one of them. Your accent gives you away, was the third time. And then he began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know the man. And here Peter falls, big time, this time. Denies that he even knows who has been his best friend for the past three years, who has seen him through these ups and downs. And he denies even knowing him. And Jesus had predicted this. He said that before the rooster crows, you'll deny three times that you even know me. And sure enough, at that moment, the rooster crows. And it says that Peter just went away weeping bitterly. But what do we take away from these ups and downs of Peter? What, what do we learn from those moments of failure in our lives? What have I learned in my own life? And there's three things that I want to point out here is that so often when Peter failed, it was because he was relying on his own strength and his own wisdom. And how often do we just, well, I read it in a book, so it's got to be true. And if I do this, this, and this, then I'll succeed. Or, well, somebody told me that this is what I should do. So we start relying on voices that are not God's. We start relying on our own wisdom. We start relying on our own strength. Hey, I can do this. I can do this. And, you know, so much in the world, you know, we see all these like inspirational posters of just, if you believe enough, then you'll succeed. And if you just try hard enough, you know, you can... I don't know, reach for the stars or whatever those, you know, inspirational posters say. But the fact of the matter is, it's not in us. It's not in our own strength. It's not in our own wisdom. But we need God's strength and God's wisdom, as we're going to see here in a moment. Another thing that caused Peter to fall often was fear. And in our own lives, we get in and we're following the Lord. We believe that, yes, this is the path that he has me on. And then we get scared and we give in to fear instead of faith. Like when he was walking on the water, he gave in to fear. He gave in to looking again at the things around, focusing not on God, but on this earth. And the other thing that tends to get us into trouble that causes a lot of our failures is our mouth sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. And we need to to speak and hear what the, the Lord is saying. One of the scariest verses in the Bible, in, in my mind, in my opinion, is when Jesus says that we will be judged on every idle word that comes out of our mouth. Oh, I don't like that one. So we need to be careful with what we say. But now, okay, we failed. We messed up. We got kicked in the face. We went in feet first when we were supposed to dive. The church closes doors. What do we do now? Well, let's continue to look at Peter. What did he do? Peter repented and he ran to Jesus. So I want to point out a few verses here. Well, the first one is that Peter remembered at the end of, of the earlier passage where he denies the Lord. Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Paul says that there is a, a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And that's the sorrow, I believe, that Peter felt. Now, 
you know, we talk a lot about how Jesus has freed us from guilt and shame, and that's true. But there is that moment where we need to recognize when we've done something wrong. And we do need to feel kind of guilty about it, but it's that different difference between the Holy Spirit convicting our lives and the difference between the enemy trying to bring condemnation on us, right? And we need to repent. We need to turn around. Repenting again is not just saying, oh, God, I'm sorry, and then going right back to the same thing, but it's turning and it's running towards Jesus. So let's look again, Peter, after he heard from the women who went and saw the empty tomb, I love this verse. It says that Peter, however, in Luke 24, 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Wait a sec. What? Jesus isn't there? I, I'm going and I got to go find out. And he ran. He ran to where he believed Jesus was. He went after Jesus in that moment. How often do we run to other things? Like, oh, I failed, so I'm going to have that drink again. I'm going to go to, I don't know, the online shopping network and start buying stuff to make me feel better. Andrew's going to go on Facebook Marketplace and start buying stuff. He mentioned that earlier. But we can run to the wrong things, run back into a bad relationship, run towards things that are not of God, but we need to run to Jesus Another great instance that the Gospel of John shares in chapter 21, verse 7, is here Peter, he's gone back to fishing. There's so many of these stories that it's Peter in a boat. But as soon as Simon Peter heard him, John, his companion, say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped into the water and he swam and went after Jesus. We've got to run to Jesus in those moments, not to anything else. And that's what Peter did. He ran to Jesus and he found that forgiveness, that freedom. We know as well, after he ran to Jesus and John, that Jesus three times asked, do you love me, Peter? And it's no mistake that it was three times after he had denied him three times. But we receive that forgiveness. We receive that renewal in our lives. But there's more to it than that. And I think a lot of times when it comes to Peter, when we talk about him, that's kind of where we stop. We leave Peter in the Gospels, in those four accounts about Jesus. But we need to continue to look at Peter in the book of Acts because something dramatic happened and changed in Peter. Because we like to relate to Peter in the Gospels because he had these ups and downs. But something happened with Peter once we get into the book of Acts. So the next point here is we run to Jesus, we repent, we run to him, but then we need to stop and we need to wait on the Lord in prayer. Jesus, after being resurrected, talks to his disciples. And in a couple accounts here, here in Luke 24, he says, I am going to send, to send you what my father had promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power on high. Jesus is telling them, wait. You need, you need to wait. And then in Acts, again, Jesus tells them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to wait. So often when, yes, we run to Jesus, but then we try to just jump right back in. 
to things that maybe God's just saying, you just need to rest, you need to heal. And again, with, in my own story, with Kasia and I, we, we, we stopped with the church and then we started attending somewhere else. And it wasn't long where we had just jumped right back in. We were doing children's ministry and it did not take long to get burnt out. And I feel like even in that moment, we just, we tried to get back into something just because it seemed like the right thing to do, but we need to wait on the Lord. And maybe, maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're getting anxious towards something that God's called you to. But maybe the word right now for you is wait. But why do we wait? This next, next point here I want to make, and we're in a Pentecostal church, right? So we can get on board with this one is that we need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're failing because we're doing it in our own strength, if we're failing because we're doing it in our own wisdom, then we need to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. We need to wait on him and get filled fresh with his wisdom, with his strength. We love it in Acts chapter two, suddenly the sound of a wind a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest to rest on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We need his spirit. And I don't believe that this is a one-time thing that, well, I prayed that prayer, I had that experience. We need to be filled daily. We need to continue to go to him. We need to continue to wait on him and pray and wait for that moment. You know, it kind of makes me wonder, they said there was 120 in that room, but how many more were just like, I'm not gonna wait, I'm gonna go back and they missed it. We need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And what we see is when Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit is this dramatic change. All of a sudden he goes from this guy who keeps putting his foot in his mouth to standing up in front of a huge crowd in Jerusalem and preaching and 3,000 people get saved. That's the Peter I want to relate to, the Peter in the book of Acts that walks and speaks with authority. Because He's filled with the Holy Spirit because we wait on him because we get filled with the Holy Spirit. So again, this, the next point here is that we would walk in authority and speak with authority. Because all of a sudden, the first few chapters of Acts is Peter going and speaking to people, rise, get up and walk. What I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. People are getting healed. People are putting... Sick people, just so Peter's shadow will fall on them. That's not the same Peter that kept failing and falling, but the Peter who waited on the Lord, who got filled with the Spirit and began walking in authority that the Lord had given him, that, that we all have. I will pour my Spirit out on all flesh, not just on the pastors or the leaders. He pours the Spirit out on all of us. And we need to obey. We wouldn't be saved right now as Gentiles if it wasn't for B Peter obediently going to Cornelius, the first Gentile believer. It says, Peter got this vision. He was praying again, waiting on the Lord in prayer. He gets this vision 
of all these unclean animals. Because, you know, we know that the Jews had dietary restrictions and he lived under that law of not doing those things and eating those things. And God says, here, take, kill, and eat. And Peter's like, I can't do that. But after he saw and was thinking about this vision, Acts chapter 10 it says, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And what does Peter do? He obeys. And we need to walk in obedience as well to what God is leading us to do. And there's one last thing. It's not on the, the screen because I kind of added it after the fact. But it was just something that I felt like was important to say as well. And this last point is that we need to surround ourselves with the right people who are also praying and waiting on the Lord, who are also filled with the Spirit and encouraging us. You know, in all these stories and all these things, Peter was not alone. Peter was walking with John on his way to a prayer meeting. Peter was with 120 people in that upper room. He wasn't by himself. There's no lone rangers in the kingdom, right? We need to surround ourselves with the people who are encouraging us. I even think of of the story of Peter obediently going to Cornelius, the first Gentile, and it said that he was staying at a guy named Simon the Tanner's house. He wouldn't have, well, we could say that he might not have had that vision and he didn't have a rooftop to pray on unless Simon the Tanner opened his house up. You know, sometimes... It's that simple hospitality, but again, it's surrounding ourselves with the right people that are going to encourage us. I just want to close.